If you feel that life is just giving you more than you can handle, please realize that you are not alone. Welcome to Abba Daddy House Girls Speak Out with your hosts, the founders of Abba Daddy House, Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We're here to listen and provide help for you and others. At last, you have a place to speak out and be heard. Now, here are your hosts, Annette and Myrna. Good Friday. Good Friday. Yeah, I think it is. I a nice too. fall Friday here in Idaho. Yeah, it don't even feel really wintry right now. No. And we want to thank Grangeville Christian Church again for their generosity of allowing us to use their internet and this little office so that we can broadcast from there. I'm Myrna. I'm sorry. I'm Annette. Okay. So sometimes we get mixed up. Yeah. Sometimes I'm Myrna. Well, I mean, I have people come in the office and say, hello, Myrna. Yeah. I go, I'm Annette. <laughs> or some people just say, what are your names? And they'll, like last night, Moz. They're just going to call us Moz. Yeah. I guess some call us Manette. And A, Moz. All right. Or Manette, Myrna, your and turn. Annette. Your My turn. turn. My turn. You got to do your thing. Oh, okay. I want to talk to everybody about our donation buttons because we want people to respond to us. And we're asking only for a dollar. Who can't afford a dollar? I don't know. Where's our donation buttons, Myrna? Our donation buttons are on our website, which is abadaddygirls.com. And they are on Facebook. Right. Yep. And then abadaddygirls.live, which is our host page of Voice America on the Empowerment Channel. They're on there. Have you got it on? on, No. I don't know. You haven't got it there yet? No. They don't even know where they're No, I know. But we spend so much time together. We know what we know. (laughs) I know what you know. They don't need to know if you ain't got it there. Oh, no. Because it's not going to do them any good to know what they don't know because it isn't there. Right. Donate us a dollar, people. That ain't much. If you can't afford a dollar, donate 50 cents. Can you do that? Sure. You can put your amount in on the donation. On 50 cents. Well, yeah, because there's other donations. They can donate anything they want. Okay. 50 cents sounds good to me. Yeah. Yeah. We take any amount. A donation's a donation, and we appreciate anything. Right. I agree. Yeah, because it'll keep us going. Mm -hmm. And we want to thank the the foundation that donated us a grant. We got a grant. It was so awesome. It was. Right when we needed it. That's why we're on today with a brand new computer. Yep. We also have a new camera coming. Yep. And that's because we got a grant. Our office equipment is new. God provides. Yes, he does. And that encourages us because it was a bad week that week. And and then we got the grant. Yes. Anyway. I like it when God provides. Okay. Because he says he'll keep us going, doesn't he? Yes, and he does. Sometimes it's like right to the last. And then he's there. Yeah. So. And we want to thank all you listeners for listening. Yes, we do. Do you have any? No, I don't have numbers. You don't have stats? Not yet. But I'll tell Hopefully you what, we, get them Tuesday. we have some people that listen to us and keep their their stats up and they're, they're, they're our regulars. You mean like Richardson, Texas? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and in, um, in Ireland? Mm-hmm. They're our regulars. They're our regulars. We want to thank you for being regulars mm-hmm. for us. Yep. Okay. So are we ready? We're ready. We're ready. Did you know that approximately 123 Americans die by suicide daily? That's yeah. daily, right? So we're obviously we're talking about suicide today, but what we're t- and globally, I'll just run to that real quick. Eight hundred thousand people globally—that means throughout the world—die by suicide. So you have eight hundred thousand people 
But suicide, that's just that one person. What we're going to talk about today is how suicide affects those who remain to live without that loved one. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're talking family, we're talking friends, coworkers, all of that, that that remain living after the suicide event. Even acquaintances. Yes. Because, you know, they get, if they even knew the person that committed suicide, mm -hmm. they get affected by it. Right. Or even the family. Yep. The, the thing is, so if that's 800,000 people in the worldwide, all right, daily would commit suicide. No, I'm sorry, that's yearly. If they, 800,000 people, that means that would be 1,600,000 people are affected. That, and that's just for a mom and a dad. Okay, that doesn't include everybody else. But today, we are so glad to have a mom and a dad on the show with us. Marshall and Debbie, they've been married for 35 years. Marshall is from Buffalo, New York. And we just found out Debbie is a native, let me make sure I can say this right, Flor Floridian. Floridian. I hope I said that right. Did Debbie, did I say that right? Yes, you Florida? did. Okay, got it. Okay. The, all right, thank you. <laughs> they are the, because when we moved here to, I mean, Kansan, you know, because we're from Kansas, that's easy to say. But we've had to learn to say that we're Idahoans now. So, Idaho. And I proved it. I walked through deer poop barefooted. <laughs> that's what you had to do to become an Idahoan? Yeah, I had to prove that I was an Idahoan that way. That was the initiation. We have somebody that, were you born? We have somebody sitting in with us today, and she was born in Idaho. And she, and, and so she's saying that maybe that was an iffy statement. <laughs> that's what he told me. Okay. He goes, that's how I know that you're from Idaho. Okay. He, was, he, was, he was the over at um, where we went and seen the, the we was driving back from Kansas. Mm -hmm. We went to the. Uh, you have to give me more than that. The buffaloes and all that <laughs> stuff in the gorge. Oh, Yellowstone? Yellowstone Park. We went to Yellowstone Park and uh, the game wardens there stuff. He, oh, that's right. Yes. He stood and took a picture with me barefooted in, in yeah. elk poop. Yeah. So, and he uh, said, I can't believe you're standing here barefooted in this. And he goes, he goes, where are you from? And I said, Idaho. He goes, I can tell. You're the only one I know of that can stand barefooted in elk poop. And I said, is that because I'm from Idaho? I go, you want to know where I'm originally from? And he goes, where? And I said, Kansas. Okay. <laughs> he called well, me barefoot girl from Kansas that lives in Idaho. <laughs> I'm, I, I'll just claim it. I'm not going to step in anything. So anyway, Marshall and... Didn't bother me any. <laughs> Debbie have been married for 35 years. And I'm trying to get back on track. And... Um, Marshall is a law, he's a lawyer there and with compensation lawyer. And Debbie, I'm sorry, I don't know if you work outside of the home or not. Do you work outside of the home, Debbie? Um, I, I worked um, early on in the hospital. I was x-ray tech. And then I raised our oh. sons. And then sometimes I work in Marshall's office, his law office. Okay. Mm-hmm. All righty. So, so you've worked all the time. Yes. Yeah. Raising the sons is work. That is. Full time. Yes, <laughs> you did. It is full time. It is. Yes. It was full time. It is. Yes. So um, just kind of you have you have Matthew and then you have a younger son. Yes. Just kind of tell us a little bit about Matthew as a child and just kind of tell us about him. Let us know who Matthew is. 
uh, I can start. Matt yeah, was just you. a really sweet kid. He always was just a loving, gentle, kind soul. Like um, we mentioned before that he was called the comforter at his elementary school because he always took any friend of his who had troubles, issues to to heart and he would help them. And you know, as a father, I appreciated him doing that, but I always sort of worried about the toll it would take. And I think looking over a lifetime right. that it could take a toll, but Matt always used humor as a, looking back now, it's probably a coping mechanism, but we thought it was a shield to protect him from any of the dangers of life because he was just always really funny. I actually ran into one of his, uh, somebody that knew him years ago, and he didn't know that Matt passed away. And the first thing that anybody ever says about Matt, the same sense, I always say, what a funny guy. And I go, he, I've heard that a million times. He was a really funny guy. So although he dealt with chronic depression since probably his early um, teens, yeah, early teens, teens as parents, we knew it, but from the outside, you really couldn't mm-hmm. tell. And, you know, I've mentioned this before. I said the, everybody knows the Titanic was destroyed by the iceberg, the North Atlantic, but icebergs, right. you only see 10% above the waterline. It wasn't the 10% above the waterline that destroyed the Titanic. It was a 90% below the waterline. They couldn't see that was dangerous. And I think with people, it's the mm-hmm. same deal. The 10% above the waterline is not the dangerous Amen. part. It's the 90% of below the waterline that you can't see is the dangerous part. So of all the people in the world that we thought we knew more about than anybody else on this planet, it was our son, Matt, because he was unbelievably transparent. We were in constant, he lived 3,000 miles away in San Diego. He moved there for the last three years of his life, made the best three years of his life, but we were in constant contact with him, either through technology like this, through uh, face uh, FaceTiming or texting or calling, and we were very, very close with him. That's why we were completely and absolutely stunned when he passed away, because you think of all the things in the world, you would have some clue, some heads up that this is something to be concerned about, we never saw it. It was a complete and absolute shock to us. And we're still shocked. It's been 15 months out and sometimes I wake up and I still don't believe it. Yeah. So Debbie, how would you describe Matt as a child? Uh, yes. As like a little boy. I mean, he was so funny. He was so full of life and he was just a joy. And um, so that's what made it sort of shocking as he got older Um, You know, we started noticing some signs, Um, you know, sometimes a bit a little discipline, um, but he pretty much was a pretty easygoing kid. But like I said, so when he became a teenager, um, some of the other signs started uh, to manifest themselves. And um, and then we were starting to get a little, you know, more concerned. And um, and then we had, you know. sought help for him early on in his life. I think maybe he was 13 when he saw the first uh, psychologist. And Mm -hmm. so, um, and then, you know, we as parents just, 
you know, really relied on them, you know, what is the next step? You know, what should we do? And, um, and we have, Mm -hmm. we had them in a private school where it was very controlled, only like 13 kids uh, to a teacher. Um, He had some learning disabilities, but um, you know, like I said, um, the other thing about Matt was that about his kindness, but he would gravitate toward people that have problems. And as he got older, their problems got more severe. So a lot of times he would introduce us to some of his friends and we were a little shocked, I'd have to say, or whatever. And then he'll mention some of the things that this person's gone through and, um, and I would be just blown away or whatever. And mm-hmm. I really thought mm-hmm. that that was taking on a little too much for him. Mm-hmm. You know, because of his empathy for other people. He Did really, you sometimes think he might grow up to be a me, psychologist or something? Yeah. And even with me, like if my voice changed like an octave or something, he would notice that. Even when he was in California, he, he would go, are you okay? Are you okay? And I said, oh, yes, honey. I just had a really busy day. But like I said, he was so in tune to other people. He really was... Uh, very empathetic, the fault. One of the things that um, you you both said something about the signs. Tell people, just give us, you know, what were the signs of depression or what were the signs that took you, encouraged you to take Matt for medical help? He would tell us he would be depressed because he, Matt was a, walking Wikipedia when it came to movie knowledge, he was incredible. Matt was super intelligent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his knowledge of movies was just legendary. And he loved watching movies. You want to watch movies. And he was just phenomenal because he'd be some obscure actor and he'd tell you, oh, this guy won the, you know, Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor in 1957 with the movie by David Lean. And you go on and then you Google it and you say, this is exactly right. It's, it's incredible what he knew. And as we saw him grow older, you know, he would tell us that he would get depressed and sometimes he wouldn't want to watch movies and want, wouldn't want to do things. You could just sort of tell when somebody is having problems. But then he would get a call from one of his friends and say something funny and his friends would come over and you'd hear this uproarious laughter because he just was a really funny guy. He just was. So I think the depression was always there and he fought it, but he was able to enjoy a happy, productive life fighting it. And I think that from the outside, you never know that even though he was laughing and funny and really enjoying his life, it didn't stop the depression that he was fighting. It, you know, I, I, <laughs> I made the analogy that it's it's like somebody who has a, a glioblastoma brain tumor, you know, cancerous brain tumor that is going to be mm-hmm. fatal. That took John McCain, it took Ted Kennedy, and they right. led productive, happy lives to the end, even though they had a fatal brain disease. And I think Matt knew mm-hmm. due to the depression that he had a fatal brain disease and that he, he did mention to other family members, not to us, that he did not think he was going to live a long time. So I think his mindset was 
I've got this fatal brain disease. I'm going to make the most of my life on this planet for as long as I can. And that is what he did. And he did it with grace and grit and commitment because I've never really dealt with depression, but you lose a son, guess what? You're going to be depressed. And getting yeah. an insight yeah. of depression, it gave me new insight as to what he experienced and what a tough guy he was dealing with that on a daily basis for as long as he did. So I really commend him for living the life that he knew. And as you know, I got the radio show on Voice American, and it is titled, What mm -hmm. My Son's Death by Suicide Taught Me About Life. And what it taught me is that people that deal with depression on a daily basis, they have to be tough. Because if they're not, they're not going to make it. And whether it's, Matt lived 32 years, whether it's 12 years, 22 years, 32 or 92, I commend all of them to put up a good fight for as long as you can. But I do think at the end of the day, Matt died from a fatal brain disease, no different than a glioblastoma brain tumor. A glioblastoma brain tumor mm -hmm. is a fatal disease that's going to great probability end in death. And whatever you want to call Matt's brain disease, you could call it the suicide, genetic, chemical imbalance, biological, environmental, you put a name on it, whatever you want to call it to me, that's not the important thing. The important thing is that he had a, he had a fatal brain disease. I think he knew it, and he was going to fight it for as long as he could. And he led a good life for as long mm -hmm. as he could. <clears throat> so when you, you made an interesting statement, uh, Marshall, you said that he didn't ever say this to you guys, but he told other family members he wasn't going to live long. Yes. When did you find that out? Afterwards. When did you find that? When did you, when did the other, afterwards? Afterwards. So who did he tell? Did he tell the, your, your other son? Did he tell? Yes. What, what family did he tell out. that? And, and friends, friends out in California. Friends in California told us that. In California. Right, that he talked about suicidal okay. ideation, but he never told us, never. And that's something okay. we learned after the fact. He just was not going to tell his parents. I think he knew that right. we'd really worry and that we it would take hurt. action. It's not like that we wouldn't do anything about it. Right. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think he had come to a point where he, um, he had had all the therapy. He had been on many medications. And he could tell the therapists whatever they wanted to hear. And so I think he exactly much was done with it. Yep. Well, okay. we're going to go to break. We'll come back with the subject when we get back. Thank you. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. 
Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4, verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Yeah, we're back from break. And I would like to tell anybody out there listening, if they want to call into the show, they can. And if they want to talk about suicide today, that's what we're talking about. And if they have anything they want to share, we welcome your calls. So if you want to call in, go ahead and call in. We will take any calls Mm -hmm. that come in. And also, if you don't feel comfortable calling in, you can email. And the email address is abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. So I have a question. You guys kind of, um, so you said as he became like around 13, that's when you started having him see a psychiatrist is what was the diagnosis that the psychiatrist gave him? Yeah. Uh, depression. I mean, what I was think the they diagnosis? wanted to rule out okay. um, a lot of like childhood schizophrenia, um, rule out right. some other things or whatever. So, but then he was just, um, diagnosed with depression, childhood depression. And okay. He, major depression. Okay. He at age 13. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and he, Again, Matt was just super smart, and I think throughout the entire treatment modalities they went through, I think he never really thought it was going to help that much. We were of the mindset, oh, this medication has to help because the American Medical Association says it'll help, or the American Psychiatric Association will help, and Matt would sort of, okay, I'll try it. And then, well, the doctor says, well, we got to use this one now because this is the new latest and greatest. And looking back, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. again, not to uh, beat a dead horse, but Matt, after his passing, has taught me so many different lessons that I didn't know. I thought that, oh, these doctors, they know mm-hmm. better than our 13 or 14-year-old son. They know this will help him, and he's being uh, – very naive that this medication will not help him. But guess what? The doctors were wrong and I was wrong Mm -hmm. and Matt was right. 
And I think Matt took the medication, didn't like it. He did it because when he was obviously under 18, we were in parental legal uh, guardians of him. But mm-hmm. after he turned 18, he did continue to take the medication, even though he didn't like the fact that it would make him side uh, take him tired. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be yeah. as sharp. He didn't feel like he was functioning at his best level. And we would just say, well, the idea here is to get you to your best level. And he would say, it isn't. And when he moved to California three years before he passed away, he just told it, goes, I'm done. Right. I'm not taking any of this anymore. It's not helping me. It's, it's slowing me down. And we said, we disagree. We know you're an adult. You can do what you want. We think that's a bad decision. Mm-hmm. We were wrong mm-hmm. and he was right. Mm-hmm. It was the best three years of his life. It was the happiest three years of his life. It was the most high functioning years of his life. So I think he knew that and we didn't. And that is a lesson that, you know, can medication help people? Absolutely, positively. Will it help everybody? Absolutely, positively not. There are some. Exactly. Individuals. Individuals. Again, if you want to call it a fatal brain disease, the suicide, whatever you want to call it, there are conditions that, again, I want to go, go back to a glioblastoma brain tumor, but medical science doesn't have an answer for that. They can't say, oh, take this pill or take this shot and that'll solve that glioblastoma brain tumor. You won't die from brain cancer. It doesn't exist. And right now, if you look at the statistics of suicide, it's getting horrific. I, I mentioned off before we started yes. that there was an article in New York Post mm-hmm. today about how the suicide rate is skyrocketing 50% over the last decade, an increase. And if you look at any other medical condition that results in death, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, hypertension, mm-hmm. they're all going down except suicide because right. medical mm-hmm. science is not mm-hmm. providing answers for treatment and, or more importantly, cures. And that's one of the reasons mm-hmm. that we decided to be very proactive and very public with Matt's life and how he passed away because we view his life as the right. important thing. How he passed away is not the important thing. I, you know, I'll give the audience a newsflash. We're all going to pass away. Guaranteed. I will guarantee I will guarantee we're all going to pass away. And it's not how you yep. pass away. It's what you do before you do. And Matt lived this incredible life mm-hmm. helping people throughout his whole life. And we viewed our life now as a tribute to him to take his good work that he can no longer do because he's no longer here to continue mm-hmm. his willingness to help people. Because just purely looking at the evidence, again, I'm a lawyer, I've got, I do litigation and workers' compensation, and I have to look at the evidence. The evidence is what takes you to court mm-hmm. and it's going to determine the outcome of the case. Look at the evidence of societal suicide. Right. It's horrific. Every other, you know, I just, mm-hmm. there's, the United States life tables are compiled by the United States government. And this last three-year period is the first time in a century that the United States life expectancy has gone down, which means more people are dying because what's happened, 1918 was the end of the 
World War One. There was something called the Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. The soldiers came back from Europe. It was a horrific flu. It killed young people, not old people. And I think it killed like 650,000 mm-hmm. Americans, but it might have killed the worldwide. They're talking about 20, 30, 40 million people. It was horrific. So life expectancy went down because of that. And then we had wonderful medical advances at the age of antibiotics and vaccines and things that were killing people, no longer killing people. And for 100 years, we had life expectancy increasing. Now it's decreasing. Why? Two reasons, suicide and opioid addictive mm-hmm. deaths, which yep. are not really considered suicides statistically, but they, they, they probably, a lot of those probably are suicides. And it just shows mm-hmm. you from a purely objective standpoint, we as a society are losing our best and our brightest, and we've got to try to stop this epidemic. Mm-hmm. There's one thing you, you said that, that I agree with is because you said evidence. Evidence is everything to me because even doctors don't look for evidence. They look for a way to cure the symptom. And then doctors don't listen to patients anymore because we know our bodies. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of my pet peeves because people, patients go in or, or clients come in and they tell you what their symptoms are. They tell you what their body is doing. And we know our bodies. Like your son knew his body. Mm-hmm. He knew what that medication did to him. He knew how he felt on that medication. Do doctors listen to that? I had a doctor tell me, I've been doing this all my life. I've been working as a doctor. I know what I do and I know what you have and I know whether your cancer's back. And you know what? He didn't know what symptoms I had. He didn't know what I was feeling. He didn't care. He cared the fact that he knew my cancer wasn't back. I have cancer that'll come back. He didn't check me out. He didn't know what was causing my problem. He didn't care. He cared the fact that he knew my cancer was causing it. I had a problem that was caused by the cancer, chemo that was causing for the cancer. Didn't check that out because he didn't listen to what the symptoms were. Your son told you how he felt on the medication. Right. That's evidence. Mm-hmm. And your son knows his body. If people would listen to people more often, maybe there wouldn't be so much suicide. Mm-hmm. That's what I say, because people come in and tell you how they feel, tell you, I mean, people aren't going to advertise they're going to kill themselves, not if they're really going to kill themselves, but they will tell you what they're feeling. And if you listen to them, maybe we could get less suicide in the world. Mm -hmm. I believe people are crying out for help. And no one's listening. No one's listening. No one's trying to get the evidence. When you said evidence, that's everything. That's Mm -hmm. everything. There's an old saying that because people are crying for help, right? There's yeah. an old saying that God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. You should listen more than you than you talk. And a heart. And a heart. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure your son was crying for help somewhere. Somewhere. You know, he didn't cry to you guys because he didn't want you guys to hurt. Right. He yes. he never wanted to hurt anybody. He just was a, such a uh, sweet mm-hmm. kid. And he, I think he just thought it was a battle that he was going to fight for as long as he could. And I think Mm -hmm. that 
looking back, he probably fought it for years. Like what, what really mm -hmm. amazed me, there's a- um, He lost the end of the rope. Well, what happened, mm -hmm. it's interesting. We went to, we go to a suicide support group here in Orlando. And unfortunately, or fortunately, it's growing yeah, it's because more and more people are losing the loved ones mm -hmm. to suicide. And they had a walk. It was the Saturday before the Super Bowl. I'm a, I'm a football fan, so I think in football terms. And we could have a picture of Matt on this wall where people would make a tribute to their loved ones. And I was looking at it, and Debbie mm -hmm. did a great job with it. She made t-shirts. She had pictures yes. of Matt. And they had the date of birth and date of death. So Matt was 32 years old. Mm -hmm. I'm 63. So mm -hmm. to me, he's just a kid. Yeah. Okay. My... I think I told you my mother died two right. days after Matt died and she was 93. Right. And so I thought my kids were going to live to the nineties. I went and looked at that wall as a huge yeah. wall. And I'm looking at the date of death, 15 years old, 17 years old, 19 years old, 21 years old. I'm going, 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 I'm going, mm. Oh my gosh, Matt was the oldest one on that wall at 32. Really? I, I go, are you kidding me? Wow. He's the old man. At 32 years old, and this is in Orlando, you know, the Orlando metropolitan area is but 2.5 mm -hmm. million people. Yeah. So this is a big, we're not talking about somewhere wow. that's not populated. And it was a huge mm -hmm. fence right. of this it's wall. Huge, yeah, thousands of people were People there. that were there. And yeah. I, I went through the whole thing. And if there was somebody older than Matt, I didn't see him. Maybe it was somewhere that I passed, but every wow. other, every person I saw was younger than him, which showed me was younger. what a tough son of a gun Matt was to put up this fight mm -hmm. to hang for out so that long. long. Right. That long. Yeah. It amazed and you me. know what? He'll always be your baby. I know. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, <clears throat> yeah. Was there a family history of depression? Yes. Yes. Definitely on my side. Okay. There is. On your side. Okay. I was yes. wondering. Um, right. I think so. Let's uh, kind of uh, let's do move up. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I couldn't hear. I think every family probably has yes. a history of depression. Uh, uh huh. You know, growing up as a kid, you would see different relatives, and they would, you know, your parents would tell you different stories, and then you look back and say they probably did have depression issues. They probably did have mental health issues, but back then. You know, I grew up, I'm a kid in the 50s. They didn't talk about mental health issues and depression the way we do now. So trying to go back and figure out well, what was this and what was that is more difficult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. So let's kind of get into um, leading up to Matt came back to Florida Right. To visit grandma and to tell right. her goodbye. Um, it was his paternal grandmother. Um, let's kind of get into to that story. Whoever wants to start that and how you want to start it. Which yeah, one he, wants to he, he, he came back. My mother was dying. She knew He knew she was going to go to hospice. <laughs> yeah. And he came back. We had a great time. He spent a lot of time with my mother. My kids were both very close to my parents. My parents moved here when they were little. And so they had a lot of um, interaction with their grandparents. My dad died in, 19, in 2012. And my mother died two days after Matt did. But my mother 
was in hospice and she was totally out of it. She was in a coma. She didn't know Matt died because she was really gone. But mm. we spent all this time with Matt. We had such a wonderful time with him. And the height of irony is I took him back to the airport on July 9th, which was 13 days before he passed away. And when I dropped him off at the airport, I just told him we had a very philosophical conversation about life and death because he knew my mother was dying and he knew that he had to fly back to San Diego for some uh, business uh, uh, business business meetings and he was going to fly back for the funeral. Never in a million years did I think this would be the last time I ever saw him. I told him I was so proud of him because he was just so happy and functioning so well. And he told me that he was the happiest time of his life and that he realized it's not what happens to you to you in life. It's how you cope with it. And as a parent, that's music to your ears. Mm-hmm. And he just felt right. that he was the place he should be. And we gave each other a big hug and he said, I'll see you soon. And, you know, I mentioned if this was a movie and they cut right there and they said, well, that's a happily ever after ending. This guy did his due diligence and was able to make his life a wonderful life. Like Jimmy Stewart was also a suicide movie, wonderful life Yeah, that he was able mm-hmm. to do this and defeat whatever brain disease he had. But Matt always said, keep the film rolling, let the director keep on rolling and mm-hmm. see how the happily ever end and keeps on going rolling. after you keep, yeah. the, keep on rolling. And obviously and you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to stop okay? because we're going to go into break and we will explain again what uh, Marcel's talking about, about keep the, the movie rolling. rolling and what Matt said. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Abba Daddy House Incorporated was founded by Myrna Thatcher and Annette Smith. We provide pro bono counseling for those caught in the insurance gap. We also provide basic needs for those who have great difficulty making it from one month to the next. Donations for expanding our business are always appreciated. Remember Philippians 4 verse 3. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Visit AbbaDaddyHouse.org Look for Annette and Myrna's book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a testimony of God's healing power. The book elucidates the journey of how Annette Smith gained healing from living as a child and other people. The book is available through Amazon.com in both paperback and Kindle formats. Anyone who is looking for guidance from God and feeling that life is hopeless should read this book, Turning the Curse into a Blessing, a Testimony of God's Healing Power. Find it today. You need to live up to your full potential. You've heard that for years, but now there's a channel to help you get there. Introducing the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our listeners have told us that they want to be motivated, hear about success stories, and positive encouragement around the clock. And we've responded to you. The Voice America Empowerment Channel is the home of the world's top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success experts. Listen to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's here at voiceamericaempowerment.com. 
Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out. To reach our program today, please call one 888 346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to abadaddyhouse7 at gmail.com. Now, back to Myrna and Annette. Well, we're back from break, and we want to invite anybody to call in at 1-888-346-9141. If you want to call in and talk to us, it'd be live on the show. And you can talk to any of us. All four of us are willing to talk with you about any subject on suicide. And if you need help, call us. We're counselors. We will talk to you about anything you need help on Mm -hmm. suicide. And uh, we are talking about what Matt had told his dad on the way to the airport. Yeah, the way to the, the airport. Parting words. His parting words. It was. It was a good. Um, one of the things that it was, he, Matt had told Marshall, his dad was good. Movie director does not end the movie with happily ever after because there are no happily ever after. Good directors depict reality with life's ups and downs. Is that correct, Marshall? Absolutely. If Matt was anything, he was a purist when it came to movies. I mean, again, he was just super intelligent and he would watch a movie and he would say, well, this is incorrect because the prequel was inconsistent with this plot line and they didn't do their homework and they should have made sure that it was consistent. Like he was just amazing like that. But he also thought movies were the best when they really depicted the reality of life. You know, we... I know right. one of his favorite movies that I've seen with a million times, also Schindler's List. You know, you're talking uh, oh. about the Holocaust mm. and mm. death, and it, but it was a brutal mm. depiction. You can't mm. put a happy spin mm-hmm. on the Holocaust. It was no, shot in black can't. and white. It was dealing with death. It was dealing with anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. And it was just a movie yeah. that Matt looked at said that was what movies should do. It should move you. Yep. It move you for mm-hmm. happiness. And if it's a sad situation, it should move you for sadness. And, you know, Matt knew life mm-hmm. is full of happiness and full of sadness. And he thought the great directors yep. would show you both because that's life. Right. Show me a life that doesn't have mm-hmm. both happiness and sadness. I haven't met that person yet. I'd like to meet him. But every person that yeah. I've ever talked to has both yeah. in their life. And that's reality. And that's what he wanted from his that's directors. Right. And if he was right here today and actually be able to continue with his dream right. of being a movie yeah. director, I think that's how, that type of movies he would have done. Yeah. yeah. He, he was pure. So, Debbie, what, how did you tell Matt goodbye? Because you didn't have that opportunity as Marshall did on the drive to the airport, how was, where was your goodbye for Matt? Yes, I really, I really didn't have one. Um, Marshall usually always took Matt to the airport because then he would go straight to work. And, um, Mm -hmm. and so, but Matt 
you know, he called us every day, you know, and I talked to him, but, you know, there's some, there's some times that uh, I'd be like at the grocery store or something. And I go, Matt, I can't talk right now. You know, I said, I'll call you when I get home. Now those times just eat at me. Like Mm. what was so important that you could not talk to your son, even if you're in a grocery store, it's just those little bitty things that, Mm. you know, just breaks your heart later on. And, um, but he never seemed, um, when he always spoke with me, he was, you know, happy and wanted to know what I was doing. So I really just never got the chance, you know, to really say goodbye. And, um, that still haunts me today. Have you got it now? Have you ever, so have you had closure on his death? Um, I would say uh, we have some closure. Um, I like to be a little more at peace than I am. Um, but we're, you know, it's a process. It's a journey mm-hmm. or whatever, about 15 exactly. months. Well, I want to, <clears throat> mm-hmm. I want to give you an, something from my heart. What was your best day you had with him? The last best day you had with him? Um, I think uh, we were at the um, San Diego Zoo. We went out there to visit him. And so um, he didn't really like animals that much. So it was really sort of funny. And we took this safari ride and there was these giraffes. And he was trying to feed the giraffe and he was sort of scared, you know, but he's in his thirties. So he's trying so hard to like to be brave, <laughs> but we could tell how like he was really bothering him or whatever, but he had a big smile on his face and, you know, we were all joking around. And then we went um, after that, then we went to uh, some like Latin uh, flavored food and, and everything. So it was just a really good day. And um, I have some of that on my Facebook page of that day. Good. Then take that as the day that God gave you with, with him. Yes. Because you know what? Instead of thinking about the times you didn't spend with him, because that'll eat at you, right. throw those away and take the good times you had with him. Because God gives you one special day with him before he left. And that can be your special day to to think on and to hang on to because yeah, that's exactly. what God gave me with my son. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm telling you, if you hang on to that, mm-hmm. it'll give you peace. I will. And you can have that as peace. Write him a goodbye letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we because actually did that. Because that gives you peace. Yeah. We yeah. did that on one of our last uh, meetings um, for grief share. And we actually wrote a note and then you put it in the bonfire, then it goes straight to him. Mm-hmm. And actually right. we went to, yep. um, Israel and we, um, uh, put notes of prayers into the, the Western wall, um, for him. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, that, when I came back you in know Israel, what, I, I think I was a little more at peace, um, you know, good. with it. Right. Our, our guide. God loves you very much. Thank you. Our, our guide in Israel was, was he, he obviously takes a lot of people to the Western Wall. And he said, I'm sort of secular. I'm not going to get too much into it. But he goes, if you truly want to talk to God here, it's a local call. And 
that's sort of what we felt. That, <laughs> yeah, we sort of felt that, that way. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. We could just walk across the street. Yeah, I mean, it's like yeah. literally, if you know, because <laughs> they have the, the Western Wall is obviously the Western Wall, the Second Temple, which is the, the most holy place for the Jewish religion. Then you have the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where mm-hmm. Jesus was crucified and then prepared for burial and actually buried like maybe a 30-second walk away. Then you have the Dome of the Rock, which I think is the third most holy uh, uh, site in the uh, Islamic Islamic religion. And it's just Mm -hmm. sort of at peace. You know, going there, we put prayer notes for Matt and my mother and my father and my best friend of 50 years who loved Matt and loved my parents died shortly after... Matt and my, my mother died. So last year I lost my son, my mother, and my best friend of 50 years. Mm. We put a prayer note for, for him. And for me, it, I did four prayer notes for Matt, my mother, my father, and my friend, Ted. And being in Israel, you sort of see all the civilization that's come and gone, the Romans, the Byzantines, the Ottomans, the Crusaders, the Egyptians, and you realize everything's temporary. These empires that thought were going to last for a a million years, they're no longer here. And all the people that fought all these battles, they're no longer here. So you realize we're all here a short time. So it sort of gave me solace and contentment saying, hey, Matt, my mother, my father, and my friend Ted, they're all wonderful people. They're all hilarious. They all knew each other. They all loved each other. In the big picture, we're all here a short time. Whether it's 32 years like Matt or 93 years, like my mother, it's a short time. So I sort of viewed it Mm -hmm. in the totality of the cosmic universe that it was sort of apropos that the four of them that were so important in my life were together. So putting those prayer notes in the Western Wall, for me, it just gave me solace contentment saying, you know, after I'm long gone, nobody's going to remember me, but there'll be somebody else there going to the Western Wall and putting in notes about their loved ones. And Maybe they'll get some cosmic vibrations from Matt and my parents and my friend Ted saying, this is okay. This is part of the plan for all of us. We're all here a short time. Make it the Mm -hmm. best time you can by helping others. And that's what Matt did. That's what my parents did. That's Mm -hmm. what my friend Ted did. And so we're trying to do as long as we're here until somebody's going to put a note in the Western Wall for us. Yes, I That's really right. asked Christian. Well, if we go over there, we'll put a prayer for you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As as oh. a Christian going um, there, I was so moved to go down. It's called the Villa Della Rosa, right. and that is where Jesus carried the cross. And they have um, each mm. marker, like mm-hmm. where he fell. I think he fell three times. The stations. Um, uh-huh. Who gave right. him um, water? Mm-hmm. Um, where he stopped for that. And um, so this is like this crusade uh, thing that you can just go down and see. And then I actually got to um, where they were preparing him for burial. And I got to go down and touch it and kiss it. That'd be And it was just, it gave me, like even right now I have chill bumps. It just gave me Mm -hmm. uh, such peace that I, you know, was where he once stood, where he once laid. And um, mm-hmm. I, I'll just have to tell you, as a Christian, it's just, 
you just can't believe it. It's just a wonderful, wonderful feeling to be mm. so close. It really does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I'd love it. <clears throat> you having dreams about your son is yes. awesome because I have dreams about mine. It's, it, I just think it's a different Connection. relationship. You know, I, I think the, for me, the demarcation line between life and death has really gotten blurred because Matt was 3,000 miles away and we didn't see him every day. And I just feel like we just haven't seen him for a while. And I still have a relationship with him in my dreams. And it's interesting because when I did my first radio show on Voice America, I dreamt and Matt, this is exactly what he would say. He goes, good show, but you're talking about me too much. He was a very, (laughs) (laughs) he was a very humble kid. He never wanted anybody to make a big deal of him. I'm going, or hug him too. Right, right. I go, Matt, the show, (laughs) the show's about the suicide of my son. It'd be sort of hard not to talk about you about this show, but that's exactly what he would say. And so I really believe that I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking of that, that that's actually right. what, wherever he is, yeah. that's what he told me. He liked so, the show. Mm-hmm. But so Marshall, when is your show? When yeah, the show, the yeah. show runs. Excuse me. When does your show begin? Yeah. No, the show's actually yeah. been, we've had three episodes okay. that the uh, show began October 1st mm-hmm. on the empowerment channel mm-hmm. at one o'clock Eastern Sweet. time, 10 o'clock Pacific time. And it is called, what my son's death by suicide taught me about life. And I've had three okay. episodes yes. and the last one on. was, was Debbie as my yes. guest. So anybody can listen to it, obviously on demand. All right. Can. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And the name of the show real quick. Yeah. It's called what my son's, what my son's death by suicide taught me about life. Tell me. Okay. Okay. You know, what my son told me in my dream, What's that? Quit crying for him. Yeah. <laughs> he told me to quit crying for him. Yep. Well, we appreciate you guys being on our show. Thank you very much. And do um, listen to Marshall's show, 1 o'clock on Eastern Time on Tuesdays. And there's we, we listened to his first show, and it was a good show. It was. And we only have 30 seconds left. So thank you for being on our show. And listeners, we look forward to speaking with you next week. We yeah. want you guys to keep in contact yes. with us. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you, so thank much. you for inviting us. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so listeners. much. You stay well. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here this week. Be sure to join hosts Annette Smith and Myrna Thatcher for another edition of Abba Daddy Girls Speak Out next Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy the upcoming weekend. Thanks again for listening to